Good morning. How's everybody today? Doing okay? Blessed. Blessed. Good. Good to see y'all here today. Um, as you make your way in, um, just want to say once again, I look forward to Sunday every week. Uh, that means work for me and it's happy work, but I enjoy being with you, seeing your smiling faces, worshiping the Lord with you. Um, if you're visiting with us, we want to say welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're visiting with us in person, um, we've got this nifty little contraption. If you'll take your phone and take a picture of this little QR box, you'll be able to fill out an online connection card. It'll also take you to a bulletin that you'll be able to follow along in the service if you'd like. Um, we also have, the, have this one, obviously. If you're online, uh, if you'll just click on the description on the video, it will take you to that same um, bulletin. And at the bottom of it, you'll find a place where you can... Let us know that you're joining with us online by filling out a connection card. Uh, a few announcements I want to make this morning. Um, first of all, uh, Wednesday night, and again, we're, there's no longer any children's activities at this point. Children's activities will resume when we come back to school. Um, is that right, Brooke? Okay. And then uh, tonight we have our December business meeting. And so, as a member of Cherokee Baptist Church, it's your right, your privilege, and your responsibility to, to participate in these meetings. And I want to encourage you strongly to come. It may sound like a, a boring time, and if you ask my children, they might agree with you. Uh, but we endeavor to be reminded of what God is doing in our midst and, and why we need to come together and talk about certain things ministry-related so that we can do what we're called to do as a church. So I encourage you to come. Uh, Wednesday night, there's going to be a youth Christmas party at 6.30. 6.30, is that right, Jared? 6 o'clock. All right. And then um, we'll have our Christmas party. I'm sorry. There'll be uh, this. I didn't get it in the bulletin. I did too. Uh, Wednesday night prayer meeting at 6.30. So we'll be, we're back to normal on that. Um, we have with us this morning Shelby and Debbie Smith. I'll introduce them a little bit more in a second. But... They're, they're going to present to us about Arctic Barnabas Ministries, and they'll do so in the slot where we normally have talked about our Lottie Moon Christmas offering and watched a video. But as you can see there in the bulletin, uh, that we're more than halfway to our goal of $6,500. We've given $3,940 to date. Um, continue to pray about how the Lord might uh, lead you to give. Um, and uh, we'll continue to take this offering through the end of this month and all through January. Uh, so you still have some time. If you need to wait until January to give to this, that's no problem at all. Any other announcements we need to make? Well, I just want to pass this along to you. There's one less bachelor in Cherokee, Texas. <laughs> Yesterday, I had the privilege of officiating the wedding ceremony for Timothy Serapaka and his wife, Clarissa Root, the former Clarissa Root, who's now Clarissa Serapaka, and it was absolutely wonderful. If you all could have seen the look on Timothy's face, and they are so madly in love with one another, and it was just, and I'm not, Brooke has said it too, and I don't know if the guys are going to own up to it, uh, Jared and Brandon were there yesterday, but it was just a wonderful time, and so if you get the chance to go online and encourage Timothy and Clarissa, just do that, pray for them. Uh, and I know they would appreciate that. One final thing I need to share. This is a thank you note. It says, Dear friends of the Cherokee Baptist Church, thank you so much for your many acts of kindness concerning my recent surgery. I have learned so much from this wonderful church family. 
May God bless you all as you have so richly blessed others. Your prayers are greatly appreciated. Love to you all, Barbara. And I hope she's watching at home. And if she is, Barbara, we love you. We miss you. We look forward to being back with you soon. Well, we are going to move to lighting the Advent candles. This morning, Kendall and Brady are going to come. They're going to light our Advent candles for us. Just to remind you, Advent is a time where we prepare for the coming of Christ. We, the people of old prepared for His coming in the Old Testament. And uh, Simeon, who we'll talk about this morning, been waiting for the coming of Christ. Now we, as New Testament Christians, we wait for Christ to come a second time. Um, you'll just follow along, um, I'll read the, the slides that say leader, and then we'll all read together on the slides that say all. The first Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of hope, remembering the hope which comes in Christ. The second Sunday, we lit the candle of peace, reminding us that Christ is our peace. Last Sunday, we lit the candle of joy, knowing that in Christ our joy is made full. Today we light the candle of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Let's stand and worship together.
this morning we're privileged to have with us Shelby and Debbie Smith. Uh, I knew Shelby and Debbie. Stephanie and I both did when we lived in Coppers Cove. I was able to serve as, as a deacon alongside Shelby. Um, Shelby and his wife uh, have moved to Alaska, and they're serving with a ministry that our church supports called Arctic Barnabas Ministries. He texted me or emailed me a while back to let me know that um, they were going to be in Texas and wanted to know if they could come and share with our church briefly about their ministry just to say hello also. Um, and I want to let you know that they do have out in the foyer, uh, there's a table out there and would love for you to go by and visit with them. They have some material there if you'd like to take some. Um, and then we'll pray for them at the end of the service today. So I want to introduce to you this morning, Shelby and Debbie Smith. They're going to come. Actually, we're going to watch a video first. Um, it's going to be the director of Arctic Barnabas Ministries, and he's going to introduce them, and then they'll come to the pulpit, and they'll share a little bit about this ministry. Hi, I'm Jim Hamilton at Arctic Barnabas Ministries. We provide missionary care for 170-plus ministry families in 118 villages and rural road system communities in three countries. I am so grateful God called Shelby and Debbie Smith to be missionaries in Alaska with ABM. They are such a vital part of our mission to strengthen and encourage pastor and missionary families to effectively advance the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout remote Alaska, northern Canada, and far east Russia. Internally, Shelby coordinates the Shepherd area, and Debbie puts her gifts to work on our administrative team. In the field, they are regional missionaries for the Nome region. They facilitate missionary care, they manage work teams and ministry projects in villages, and so much more. Shelby and Debbie are not only amazing people and friends, they are obedient missionaries working out God's call in their life. I want to encourage you to get to know them, to pray for them, and to partner with them as God leads. May God bless you as you serve him. Good morning from Saldatna, Alaska. Oops, sorry. We live in a little community about uh, the size of Lampasas called Saldatna. And uh, that's where our headquarters are. We have eight uh, full-time staff families and four associate families. And to start off, uh, I wanted to say thanks to Jim. He made us sound like we're really good people. We're just... <laughs> I'm a, we're native Texans uh, following God's call to serve him wherever that turned out to be, and it turned out to be in a really cold place. Uh, they don't understand that we're still running air conditioners here uh, to cool off. In Alaska, we don't even have air conditioning. So I'm Shelby, and this is my wife, Debbie, and we just wanted to share with you a little bit about what God has called us to do with Arctic Barnabas Ministries and how he's been working in and through us in the past year. Um, Arctic Barnabas exists to strengthen and encourage pastors and missionaries and their families to effectively advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in remote Alaska. Our key verse is Romans 1, 
11 through 12, it says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And Debbie is going to share with you briefly about the history, the very beginning of Arctic Barnabas Ministries. Um, I just wanted to uh, let you know about how Arctic Barnabas got started. It was about 21 years ago now. Uh, there was a Bush pilot who worked for um, Mission Aviation Repair Center. So I believe at that point they would bring items out to the villages as needed as far as uh, what they may need. Is like there's not an Ace Hardware down the street in most villages. So, you know, they would put those things on a plane. This particular time they... Uh, Joel Caldwell, the pilot, he was going to bring a missionary family to uh, one of the villages to become a pastor and, and serve a church. So there were the man, the wife, and there were three children. And they were all excited about this first mission that they were going to be going out to the village. About six months later, though, uh, Joel Caldwell, the pilot, received a phone call from this pastor. And he said, you have to come get us now. We need to get out of here. So whenever he, the pilot went to pick them up on the little runway there, there was only the man and the three children. And the uh, pastor had explained to him that it was just too much for his wife with the isolation, the uh, high cost of living, it, the temperatures. You know, it was not what she was used to. So a lot of these pastors, you know, are trained to lead a congregation but they do not know anything about um, the conditions they're going to be facing, the housing there. They're not building new houses out in the villages. You may get one that's 50, 60 years old and it's falling apart. So therefore, Arctic Barnabas comes and fills in the gap in those areas. So when Joel came back from that flight, he talked to his wife. They started having like a bed and breakfast, a place where these pastors could come and have a refreshing time and you know, get uh, fueled up to go back out there to those people. So it, it grew to where there's more people that wanted to help them in that endeavor. And we'll talk about that later as far as the missionary family retreats that they do every year since then. Well, as you know, Alaska is a, a long way away from here. And it's the closest thing that you can experience living in a third world country and still be in the United States. They, uh, it combines to have a harsh uh, climate uh, the geography is very different than here in Texas, and isolation is something that people just deal with and live with all the time. The population of Alaska, the whole state of Alaska, which is, I know we're proud Texans, but we don't like to hear that something is bigger than Texas, but Alaska is two and a half times uh, the physical size of Texas, but there's only 720,000 people in the whole state. So uh, think of... Uh, the population in an area two and a half times the size of Texas and population less than Austin, Texas. So there's, uh, there are 197 villages that actually have zip codes and uh, about 128 of the villages have populations less than 1,000 people. So the majority of the population in Alaska exist in Anchorage and Fairbanks in those two cities by themselves. And that doesn't even include Juneau, which is the capital. Uh, more than 200 of Alaska's villages lack any road system. The only way to get to many of these villages is by airplane or boat. 
and the boat is only in the summertime when the river is not frozen over. Some villages actually have no followers of Jesus Christ. So in spite of the land being covered in snow right now, as the Bible says, the fields are truly white unto harvest. There is a need to advance the kingdom of God by sharing the gospel. Uh, many Christian organizations will send uh, pastors and missionaries to serve in remote villages and they, they complete seminary training on how to uh, uh, effectively evangelize, but there's not much training taught on how to cut and split wood, how to hunt and process uh, a moose so that your family will have meat for the year, how to fish, how to fillet salmon. Uh, many of these skills are learned uh, on the fly, and sometimes they need somebody to come alongside and help them to learn that, and that's part of what Arctic Barnabas does. We do pastoral care and missionary support. We help the families out in the villages share the gospel. There are five cores of ministry with ABM, Arctic Barnabas. Uh, as Shannon mentioned, we have a display table, and we have those uh, core ministry areas listed, but they are uh, refresh, equip, serve, shepherd, and connect. ABM's vision, uh, our goal is to see healthy, thriving indigenous leaders leading healthy, thriving indigenous ministries. As I close, I'm going to ad-lib a little bit that I just talked to Pastor Shannon about. Uh, Arctic Barnabas Ministries is not is a Christian ministry, but we're not affiliated with the International Mission Board or the North American Mission Board. We, we self-fund to get ourselves to uh, the mission field. And uh, we, we were required to be at a certain level of funding before we would be invited to go to Alaska to become missionaries. And this was going on the summer of 2020. And as I was on the roof of my sister and brother-in-law's house in Dublin, Texas, I got a call from uh, Jim Hamilton, our executive director, and he said, you're not there yet but we understand that if you don't come now, it's gonna be a year from now because you can't travel up there in the winter. So he said, go ahead and pack your bags, sell your house and come on up, even though you're not fully funded. I just wanna share this with you that um, God doesn't have a problem with finances. Money is not an issue with God. As Deb and I were driving through the Yukon, pulling all of our earthly possessions in a 16-foot cargo trailer, we got an email. And the email said that Cherokee Baptist Church had funded you. You guys put us to our funding level. That's how God worked. You guys are very important to us, and we appreciate your prayers and your support. Uh, so how can you be involved with what Shelby and Debbie are doing and what God is doing with sharing the gospel of Alaska? The first and foremost thing is we covet your prayers. Pray that Deb and I will be uh, the committed Christians that God has called us to be. Help us to be faithful in what God wants us to do. And by the way, uh, sometimes people ask, what does a missionary do? 
missionary does whatever is required from cleaning toilets to working on roofs to sharing the gospel but the first thing you can do is pray for us the second thing you can do is you can pray about uh, if God would have you partner with us in sharing the gospel in Alaska uh, the third thing you can do is you can come up to Alaska. We have mission opportunities every, every summer, and sometimes in the winter too. So you can pray, you can give, you can go, and you can share with others about the work that Arctic Barnabas is doing in sharing the gospel in Alaska. Uh, thank you all for letting us be here, and as Pastor Shannon said, we'll, after the service we'll be in the back with a display and some information uh, to answer any questions that you may have. Thanks. Read with me or follow along. Isaiah 9th chapter, verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humble, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood stained by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For the child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. For all eternity, the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. May the Lord bless the reading of His word. Amen. You would please stand. Uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote this poem in uh, on December. 
I invite you to take your copy of God's Word. This, I think the pulpit's on. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find a hardback black one somewhere around you. Turn to the back, find page 45, and you'll be at Luke chapter 2. This morning the text is Luke 2, 21 to 35. And we're in a sermon series right now focused on Advent called The Weary World Rejoices. And uh, the theme of the Advent candle today and of course of the sermon as well is love. And so the subtitle is Wonders of His Love. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Again, this is Luke chapter 2 verses 21 through 35 and this is God's Word. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law... Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy, thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would show us love in this text and help us to show love from what we learn from this text. We pray that you would do it for your glory and your glory alone. In Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Old Testament law was so incredibly important to the people of Old Testament Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, in the first three verses, well, I'll just read the whole nine. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded uh, to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days might be, may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, 
And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Whoops. This tells us how incredibly important the word of God, the law, the Old Testament law, was to the people of Israel. They were to know it, teach it, and obey it. In the first three verses of Deuteronomy 6, there's an exhortation to keep the covenant principles and precepts that God has revealed. In verses 4 and 5, you find the essence of it. The essence of the covenant principles and precepts is summed up in love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. That is what the essence of it is. But it's not just to keep them and to, to, to love the Lord. It's to, to teach the covenant principles and precepts to those in your household. Uh, to, to talk about it when you rise up and when you lie down. So it was incredibly important to them. But the key thing I wanted us to see here is that in the midst of, if you were to split this into maybe thirds, you would find that there's uh, uh, an exhortation to keep the covenant principles and precepts on one side and an exhortation to teach the same on the other. But in the middle is love. This is important to understand. I think John helps us to understand what I'm trying to get to in this. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I underlined a section that I want you to, to, to hear me on. It's not that we thought that we could love God in our own self. The people of Israel could not. God had to take the first step. So that's why John says, it's not love that we love God, it's that He took the initiative in loving us First, And we find that truth here in this text in a number of ways. God demonstrates His love in a number of ways and we return it. So if you were to think of how we might, and, and, and this may be, a, <clears throat> I believe this is true to the text, but uh, this may be a different way of thinking about this text than you've ever thought about it before. I'm not trying to do something new here, but I just think that we see God revealing His love for us in this text. Furthermore, we see not only God revealing His love for us in this text, but we see people loving God in return. Now the important part here is that God takes the first step in loving, and then we love in return. And as you'll see as we go through this text, the love that people return to Him is commensurate with the type of love God gives. Let's say that Stephanie takes me to a restaurant, really nice restaurant, steakhouse and when she takes me there it is an act of love and I go to the steakhouse and I look at my phone and I drink a glass of water now she has shown her love for me the way I return that love is by chowing down on some steak it's commensurate with the love that she has given to me her demonstration of it and we'll see God demonstrate his love and people respond in ways that are commensurate to how he demonstrates his love first we see that God reveals his love by giving us his covenant precepts now precepts just means that God has given his people graciously guidance in how they can walk in covenant faithfulness he gave them the law the stipulations of the covenant 
<clears throat> and you notice that Joseph and Mary return that love through covenant obedience. God loved them enough to, to share with him his law, his precepts, his guidance. And they return that love by being obedient. Being obedient. And I want to show you there's four ways in this text where Mary and Joseph show love for God through particular acts of covenant obedience. Look first in verse 21. It says, When eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, they took him to be circumcised. That's the first step of obedience. Now, this wasn't uh, about hygiene as, as much as it was about that Abraham had been commanded it was a stipulation of the covenant of Abraham in Genesis 17, 12 that all the males in his house would be circumcised. It was a sign of the covenant that God had made with Abraham. So they're walking in obedience to what Abraham was commanded to do. But furthermore, it was re-stipulated. It was first stipulated with Abraham, but it was re-stipulated in Leviticus 12, 3 that all males... Israelite males were to be circumcised. And so they, they were obedient. The second act of obedience we see, verse 21, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus. Now the angel had appeared to Mary and said, You're going to have a child, and you are to name him Jesus, which means God saves. And so they took this as the word of the Lord. It wasn't the law. But it was something that God had specially revealed to them. And they obeyed it by calling him not Joseph. Remember Zechariah? They, they thought they were going to call John Zechariah. said, no, 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 no. His name is John. Here again, Joseph, they was expected that they would call Jesus Joseph. Nope. The angel had told them, name him Jesus. So they obeyed God. Thirdly, Jesus is presented to the Lord. Verse 22, And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now this is according to Exodus 13.2 and Exodus 13.12. That the firstborn, the one who opened the womb, would be presented to the Lord. Of course then after that, um, present to the Lord as if, remember Samuel, uh, Hannah left Samuel there. And, and that's what's in mind here, except that the son could be redeemed back through the giving of an animal. But Jesus here is presented to the Lord in obedience with God's covenant precepts. And finally, sacrifice was made for purification. It says in verse 24, And to offer sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This was according to Leviticus 12.8. So Joseph and Mary were both walking faithfully in God's word. They loved, God loved his people enough to share with them, I love you, you are mine, here's how you walk in covenant obedience and faithfulness to me, and they return that love by being obedient. Secondly, we find God revealing his love by making covenant promises. Now in the Old Testament, God had made a covenant to Abraham. He said, you will have a land. You will have a people. In Genesis 3.15, God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between the woman's seed and your seed. And then he tells them that there's going to be one who comes from the woman who will bruise 
the serpent's head or crush his head, but the serpent will bruise his heel. That was Christ Jesus. And God made good on that covenant promise. God also made a special promise to Simeon. He said in verse 25 and 26, it's, it's, this is just reporting what was said. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This was not a part of God's covenant stipulations or his revelation in that way. However, God looked upon Simeon, who was called in the text a just and righteous man, devout. And God looked upon him and gave him the special privilege, the special promise. Simeon, you will not die until you see the Lord's Christ. That is a special thing. So God made these covenant promises... And the way that we return that love is through faith in those promises. It's one thing for us to understand that God has made a promise out of His love that He promised to His people. Covenant love, covenant promises. And we return that love through having faith in those promises. Remember when Abraham was struggling just a little bit because you know he was old and his wife was old. His God, I'm not sure about this, that I'm really... that. This seems impossible. Genesis 15, 5 and 6, talking of God. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord's promise. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Simeon is believing in faith in the promises of God. He's waiting in faith. It says in verse 25 that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. This is another way. It's referring back to Isaiah 40, um, that talking about Christ coming to comfort his people. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the promised Messiah, the seed that was promised in Genesis 3.15. But then also, it says in verse 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple. I don't know about you, but if at some point, Simeon might have said, I don't know, maybe I had some bad falafel. The hummus kind of turned my stomach and I, this is a bad dream. I'm not sure if this is the really, really the Spirit speaking to me or not. But God had made him a promise. And so when the Spirit of God led um, Simeon to the temple. Simeon must have been somewhere else at some point and the Spirit prompts him. Remember what God promised you? He's here. Go to the temple. And by faith, he loved the Lord, had that faith, was active in that faith, and went to the temple and saw the Lord's Christ. Finally, God reveals his love through his covenant performance. In other words, God makes good on his promises. God had promised to, the, to Simeon that he would not die without seeing the Lord's Christ. And in verse 28, uh, after the, the parents had brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, verse 28 says, Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. 
Lord, you made good on your promises. You performed your promise. He also made good, God did, on his promise to the world. Verse 32, in his blessing of God, his praise of God, um, uh, Simeon says, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And in Isaiah 49, verse 6, God had said about his people Israel, He said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. God made good on his promise to Israel. He says in verse 32, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. God had promised that the Messiah would come through the Israelite people. And now God has made good on that promise. No other nation had the glory that the Savior should be born through their line. But God made good on His promise to Israel. And He made good on His promise to Abraham. God promised to Abraham that through your seed, the whole world will be blessed. Well, that does mean the seed of Abraham, but we're also talking about the one seed, Christ. And Christ came to be a blessing to the world. So God reveals His love through His covenant performance. And we return that love by praising His faithfulness. That's what Simeon does. Verse 28. Then, he, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. Blessed God means he just simply praised God. He glorified God in that moment. It says Joseph and Mary marveled at all of this. I wonder if they were understanding all that was going on here at this time. I hope they did. I think they did because of how, the, the, how Luke records it, that they marveled at all of this, at what was being spoken of Christ. I want to point out something here. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. I venture to guess... I think this is safe. Mary and Joseph had never met Simeon. And Simeon had never met Mary and Joseph. But I want you to notice here. God used Joseph and Mary's obedience to make good on his special promise to Simeon. Now, when God sent forth his word so that Mary and Joseph would go to the temple and do what it was that the law prescribed, they didn't have any idea at all that their obedience to God's law would be the way that God would make good on his promise to Simeon. Now, there's something instructive there for us. If you ever wonder, Lord, am I making a difference? You never know how your obedience to God's law might impact another person. The final way that God reveals His love in this text is why we think about this text in the beginning. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So here you have God revealing His love and a way to respond to God's revelation of his love. 
God loved the world, not just the people of Israel, but the world, the Gentiles. And he demonstrated that love by giving his son. The eternal son of God became the incarnate son of God by becoming flesh, as John says. He lived in perfect covenant obedience to the Father that we could not give. He did it on behalf of those the Father would call to Himself because they could not live in perfect covenant obedience themselves. He offered Himself as the perfect atoning sacrifice for sin. His blood brought forgiveness for sin, reconciliation, and restoration. And He rose on the third day proving that His sacrifice for sin was sufficient. That's how God demonstrated His love. And we return that love by believing in Him. I want you to notice something in the text. Verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. What Simeon is talking about is Jesus Christ... Um, is spoken of as the chief cornerstone. The Bible talks about it this way. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Well, why did they reject Him? Why did they reject Christ? Because He didn't come in the way that they wanted Him to come. So when we talk about returning that love by believing in God, listen to this and listen carefully. Those who would come to Christ... For salvation, you cannot believe in Him as you would prefer. You cannot come to Christ as a good teacher, although He is that. You cannot come to Christ as a moral example. He is that. You cannot come to Christ as fire insurance, although He will save you from the fires of hell. No, if you're going to believe in God, you must, one, repent of your sin. You cannot claim to love God and persist in unrepentant sin, only having an intellectual belief. You must confess that sin and repent of it. Secondly, you must put your faith in the finished work of Christ and understand you bring nothing to the table. If you were to say, God, this is what I have to offer to you that you might accept me, Even your very best works, God says, are filthy rags before Him. And you cannot claim to love God and persist in the wrong belief that you must add works to what Christ has done for you in order to be saved. You must come to Him in the way that He is revealed. And when you do, when you are born again, when you see your sin and the damnation it brings and when you repent of it, when you turn from your sin and turn to Christ in faith, seeing Him as He is, then salvation has come to you. You're a believer, a Christian, a part of the redeemed people of God. You have received the love of God in Christ. And receiving that love changes your life. Formerly, you were unable and unwilling to love God, but now that you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, you are both able and willing to live for God. You begin to love God by cherishing His precepts, which teach us how to love God and neighbor. You begin to love God through faithfully obeying His precepts. And you begin to love God by clinging to His promises and aiming to, to believe them, to walk in their truth, to rest in their certainty until the day 
that God performs for you what He has promised. And you will begin to love God by praising Him for what He has done for you. Christ to you will either be the rock of your salvation or the stone of stumbling. He cannot be, you cannot, there's, there is no third way. He will either be to you the rock of your salvation or he will be the stone of stumbling. You will either rise or fall. And if these truths have come to bear upon your heart to the power of the Holy Spirit today, I urge you to act upon them. Perhaps today, your response is simply, Lord, I believe. I, I believe, I understand how, how the Father shared His love with the world by sending the Son. And I realize I'm a sinner. I confess of my sin. I repent. I believe in the finished work of Christ. If you do that today, you will be a Christian. But if you fail to do that, then the rock that you reject will crush you. That sounds so, so negative. I just have to be real with you and honest with you. That if you reject Christ, when judgment comes, you won't survive. Today, God commands all men and women and children everywhere to repent. Will you do that today? Father, we thank you for this text that you loved us enough to come to us when it would have been just as easy for you and just for you just to do away with us. But you came to us in love through your Son, Christ. Thank you for giving your one and only Son that we might have life. Lord, help us to walk in covenant faithfulness with you. Help us to be obedient people as we wait for the return of our Savior. Help us to be people of faith, clinging to your promises as we wait. And Father, as you make good on your promises in our life and in the lives of people around us, let us not forget to return the love that we have received from you in wholehearted praise. Father, if there are any here today that need to come to you as a rock of salvation, I pray they would. And that today would be a day they'll never forget. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you would, please stand. We're going to sing, Oh, Come All You Faithful. If there's a decision, a response you need to make at this time, I encourage you to do that as we all sing together. Oh, Come All You Faithful.
be seated for just a moment. I want to update you on a few prayer items. Um, understand Barbara is continuing to improve. Okay, Angela's here checking in on her and taking care of her. And uh, so we're glad you're here, Angela. Um, pray that Barbara continues to improve. Ben Campbell um, wanted us to, to pray for his sister, uh, Jerry Lynn Milliken. Um, Sue, has she already had the hip surgery? Okay. Okay. So she had, had to have hip surgery. And so just continue to pray for, for Ben's um, sister. Um, we need to pray for James Sturgeon. I want to thank Joel for stepping in on short notice. Uh, James texted me and said that he was really under the weather. said, I'll try to make it if you want me to. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stay home. So uh, pray for James. Um, are there any other prayer? Uh, Jared, do you want to give an update on your mom? So we'll continue to pray for Brenda and Les Dawson. If you have any other prayer requests, any updates, or anything you'd like to ask the church to pray for. Okay, um, instead of praying for these requests, we're going to spend some time praying for Shelby and Debbie. I asked them to come forward. If any of you would like to come up and just surround them, um, we're going to pray for them as a church. Um, Ken, you need to come on up here. I want to recognize Ken real quick. Uh, Ken has, has been the chairman of our missions committee for a while, and he has done a fantastic job. He rotates off this year, and so uh, we, we're, we're thankful that you've served us. And I'm not really glad you're rotating off because you've done such a great job, and so uh, we're just thankful for your Any Anyone else want to come? Uh, okay, yeah, got a few folks coming. So if you want to stand right here in the middle... Um, We'll surround you and pray for you. All right. Uh, we'll say a word of prayer, and then we'll have the Great Commission, say the Great Commission together. Father, we're incredibly grateful for Shelby and Debbie Smith and for what you're doing in their lives, what you've been doing for a long time, Lord. Um, you have found them to be faithful servants for a long time. I'm grateful um, for their years of service to you. Thankful for the opportunity that you have given them to be missionaries, on your behalf to share your word, to support those who are doing mission work up in Alaska. We pray, God, that you would give them favor with those to whom they minister. We pray that you would give them opportunity uh, and words to say, to share the gospel to those that need to hear it. Uh, we lift up the whole state to you, Father, knowing that in such a, a large um, state with uh, such a small population and so few people know Christ, we pray that your kingdom would come in Alaska that there would be revival there, that many would turn from their sin and put their faith in Christ and be saved. Uh, we pray for them while they're here, um, home away uh, from Alaska, that they would enjoy their time here, that they'd get rest and relaxation. And uh, Lord, send them back safely. Send them back encouraged, refreshed, and ready to continue their service for you. Father, help us as a church to continue to lift them up in prayer and to support them in any way that we can. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together. There it is. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the 